Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, we getting started just a few few minutes late. We're going to open up our Bible study in about two minutes with a word of prayer. And then we're going to jump straight into some word if all hearts and minds are prepared. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time, God. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be before your people, oh God. God, as we begin our Bible study for this evening, we just worship and adore you. We magnify your name, God. We know, God, that your word declares to study to show thyself approve a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. So, God, as we spend this evening in worship, as we spend this evening before your throne, as we spend this evening before your you, before you, oh God, we just thank you, God, for this day, God. We thank you, God, for bringing us through dangers seen and unseen. We thank you, God, for life in our body. We thank you, God, for breath. But most importantly, God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come before you and just say, Father, forgive us. Forgive us of our sins and our minds, our thoughts, our deeds, and our actions. You gave us the ability to come before your throne because of your son Jesus who died for our sins you gave us the ability to bring our sins and cast them at your feet you gave us the ability to ask for forgiveness and to repent to you with a sincere heart and a sincere mind so God as we go before the word on this evening God we ask you right now God just to be in the midst of this entire service in the midst of this entire time that we have to spend with you God we ask God right now that our families be covered our hearts be covered our minds be covered our loved ones be covered and we rejoice in you on this day for this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice in it so God as we worship you we worship you in spirit and in truth now God hide me behind your cross so that the people will see none of me but they will see all of thee let signs miracles and wonders be followed by this word O God let eyes be open to the revelation of your word. Let understanding be gathered by your word. And we just thank you right now in advance for what you're going to do. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray, the name that is above all others' names, the name that has power, the name that demons flee from, the name that demons run from, the name that demons are cast out from. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Welcome to Liberty Christian Church International and our midweek Bible study. It's going to be an awesome time in the Word. I'm so excited for this Word on this evening. Um, two weeks ago, not last week, last week Pastor celebrated his birthday, so we were not in Bible study. But two weeks ago, we began a series. Well, we didn't begin a series. We continued on our series um, and dealing with spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. So tonight we're going to continue on with that thought and that uh, and that um, and that understanding and that series, spiritual warfare. If you have your Bibles, lift up your Bibles real quick so we can make our Bible declaration and get into this word. Repeat after me, Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose, God's plan and God's design for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. Therefore, my mind is alert. 
My heart is receptive. I will not be distracted, but I will hear what thus saith the Lord. As a result of what I hear today, I'm going to leave here better than I came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And that's our Bible declaration. But we're going to get into some word this evening. I'm excited about this. I'm very excited about this. If you have your Bibles, open up very familiar scripture, Ephesians 6 and 10. Ephesians 6 and 10 is where we're going to start at tonight. And we got a lot to get through. I'm going to give a quick overview of last week. But Ephesians 6 and 10 is where we're going to start at on this evening. And it says this, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Beloved, I pray that, oh, hold on, ah, it, it jumped ahead of me. Well, maybe because Pastor forgot to put the whole text in there. But this is what it says. It says, finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world's forces in this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up on the full armor of God so that you will be able to rest to so that you will be able to resist, excuse me, in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse number 17, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, with, with all power and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to you in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, than in proclaiming it that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, once again, we're dealing with sp uh, spiritual warfare on this evening. Last week, we talked about spiritual warfare being the fight between uh, the spiritual realm and dealing with your mind, the spiritual realm and dealing with things that go on, the spiritual realm and dealing with your life, even the thoughts that you may have, uh, the mindset that you may have, the people that you deal with, the things that you go through, dealing with that from a spiritual standpoint that we're always constantly in a process and in a mode of wrestling. Somebody say wrestling. Um, I also wanted to look at another scripture too, real quick. Um, but I want to. But there are some points that I gave you last week that I want you to hear real quick, and and we're gonna get into that real quick. Um, the first point is this: God's people have dominion. God's people have dominion. One of the things that happens in spiritual warfare is that we feel like that we don't have authority and we don't have power over what the enemy is throwing at us. But that's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie and a trick that's been played on our mind. We're going to get into some more about that later on. Also, God's people have deliverance from enemies. God's people have deliverance from enemies. We are not bound by what the enemy is saying to us. We're not bound by what the enemy is doing to us. So God's people have deliverance. Number three, God's people become the envy of the wicked as well as God gives his people's remedies or reliefs from pressure. God gives us the opportunity to uh, see his word, to see his word manifest in our life. He gives us the opportunity to see how uh, the enemy is not more powerful than he is. The enemy is not stronger than he is. The enemy does not have rule over him. So God allows us to see the remedies that go on in our life. Amen. 
Um, number four, God's people seek his glory and his presence. Um, part of spiritual warfare is that when we get into a, a fight and we seem like we're not winning, a lot of times we take a stance of hiding from God. But how many people know that we must seek his presence and his glory in our, in our, in our everyday life? No matter what we're going through, we can't listen to what the enemy tells us because the enemy will tell us to go hide. What, did, what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden? When they were in the garden and God came walking through the garden, they said, we hid because we were naked. God said, who told you you were naked? Why? God called out to Adam. Even though God knew what was going on with Adam, he still called out to him to let him know that he was there. But Adam and Eve hid because they had sinned against God and they had revelation that they had sinned against God. And so that's one of the tactics that the enemy uses us against us in spiritual warfare. What else? God's people build God's house. A lot of times when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, people don't want to people don't want to contribute and help with the house of God or build with the house of God. They feel like they're going through so much that God's uh, that the things of God are not first and foremost in their life. So we deal with that and we see how this goes on. So we're going to take another look at another scripture real quick. Second Corinthians, the second chapter, looking at uh, the third through the correction. The first through the 15th verse. But this is where we're going to start at tonight. Before we even get there, I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, I want to deal with something a little bit. Um, see, the enemy has for so long deceived the believers into thinking that spirituality, poverty, and lack and suffering are synonymous with being a Christian. Um, so many times they, they feel like, well, God, I can't, I can't live the best life that I want to live. God, I got to be in this poverty mindset. God, I can't strive for anything. And the enemy will continuously say, well, if you serve God, you know you're supposed to do this. And if you serve God, you're not supposed to get that. And you serve God that you're not supposed to get any of this. And so you, you know you're doing wrong when you do that. But God's will and God's purpose is that we live life and live it more abundantly. The, the Bible says that uh, he prays that we prosper so as our soul prospers. And so one of the things when we're prospering with our soul, God releases the provisions in our life. God releases his benefits, his blessings, his joy, his salvation. He opens up the windows of heaven while we're operating and chasing after him with our soul because we're his children. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So being an heir and a joint heir means we have benefits. We have rights. We have liberties of certain things. Does that mean that everybody's a Christian has a million dollars? No, it doesn't mean that. But spiritual warfare from the enemy's standpoint will tell you, well, you must not be doing something right because you don't have that. You must not be doing something right because you got too much of that. You must not be doing something right because of this and because of that in your life. And you'll continue to move around in a circle or continue revolving around in the same cycle of your life because you're like, one minute I'm serving God, but then I feel hurt and I feel wrong because I'm doing something this or I'm doing that and now I got to let go of everything else. Maybe that'll make me feel better. And a lot of times that's the enemy playing with your mind and he's holding you in bondage. Somebody say bondage. But this evening, I really want to get into dealing with this scripture in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, the first through the 15th verse. We got a specific verse that we're going to look at, which is number 11. But I wanted to read this uh, entire uh, passage part, the first through the 15th verse. This is the Apostle Paul talking to in his second letter to the church at Corinthians. Uh, do me a favor for me. Share this on your page. Share this with somebody. 
as we get ready, as we share with the word of the Lord. And we're going to read the scripture. I'm trying to make sure that you can see the entire scripture. And it reads as this. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church. This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having, uh, give me one second, you all. I'm going to make sure that you can see that. Uh, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you, all that my joy would be the joy of you all. Paul was telling them, I'm not coming to you in a mad way. I'm not trying to talk to you down. I'm not trying to make you feel sorry. I want you to be joyful because if you're joyful, I'm joyful. If you're if you're happy, I'm happy. So this is what this is how Paul opened up this second chapter. And he also said this for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. So not not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have, especially for you. He says, but if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree in order not to say too much to all of you. Verse number six, sufficient for such a thing is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. So that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. He's once again telling them that I'm, that I'm not coming to you to make you cry. I'm not coming to you to hurt your feelings. I'm, I, I'm, I'm coming to you to talk to you, but I need you to be able to encourage, be encouraged by this word that I'm saying to you. Why? Because we're going to get into what he's saying to the church. He said, verse number eight, wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For who? God. For to this end also I write so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sake in the presence of Christ. Verse number 11. So that no advantage will be taken us up taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant to his what? Schemes. We're not ignorant to who? Satan's schemes. That That's a big thing. Make sure you highlight that so that we, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Continue on. Verse number 12. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when the door was open for me in the Lord, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them. I went to the Macedonian. I went to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always what leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Verse number 15, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved uh, and among those who are perishing, among those who are being saved and amongst those who are being perishing. So real quick, I want you to jump back to verse number 11, because verse number 11 is where we're going to park at for a second. And it simply says this, that 
so that no advantage will be taken of us by who? By Satan. When we're dealing with spiritual war, we're in a direct warfare back and forth with Satan. The Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Bible says, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So when we hear this word that said, for we are not ignorant of his schemes, what are his schemes? The three main roots of his schemes are for him to kill, steal, and destroy. What is he trying to kill? Kill your hope. Kill your dreams. Kill your success. Kill the relationship that you have with God. Kill the prosperity. Kill the prospects that you have. Um, kill the, the, the position that God has called you into to be the head and not the tail. I know y'all hear me constantly say that every week. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. What is he going to steal? Your joy, your hope, your peace, your relationship. Um, he's here to kill, uh, the, the, to kill and to steal those things that God has blessed you with, those things that God has allowed you to come into uh, contact with, those dreams and aspirations. He's, still, he's here to truly steal your joy joy, your peace, your mind. What, you know how many times that we've gone through situations and things where we say, my mind was almost gone. I almost lost my mind, but God brought it back. I almost lost everything that I had, or I did lose everything that I had, but God restored me. God brought me back. God brought me from a mighty long way. God did this for me, and God did that for me. Why? Because the enemy came in and he tried to capture your dreams. He tried to capture your hope. He tried to capture your joy. And if we give it over to him, and a lot of times we give it over to him because we feel defeated on the inside, we feel like we can't, we're not worthy of God. We feel like God, that we've let God down. And so now he's killed, stilled, and destroyed our relationship because our relationship with God is not based upon on, on, on whether we've fallen because the Bible says a just man falls how many times? Seven times, but he gets back up. But the enemy will throw in it when you fall the eighth time. I told you that God ain't going to be there to pick you up. I told you that God ain't going to be able to do this for you. I told you that you, you was going to be a wretch undone. I told you you wasn't worthy of God's grace and, and his mercy. So part of spiritual warfare is dealing what the enemy continues to tell our mind. What the enemy can, continues to put in our path and in our foresight that, that these certain things that happen. And if you are Christian, why are you going through this thing? This is what the enemy will constantly tell you. Why are you going through this? You must not be doing something right. You you must not really trust God. You must really not believe in God. And, and, and you must not be living worthy enough. Uh, so if you're not living worthy enough, why don't you just come on back over here where we got the, where we got the party at? Where we got all the, where we got everything that I had for you over here. This is what the enemy will constantly play on our mind. I remember being, and and this is just real quick. I remember being a, a, a when I rededicated my life to Christ. The first thing that happened that I was tempted with a proposition and I failed. And the first thing that I said, but God, I know you called me. God, I know you said this was my time and this was my season to be with you. But 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 what is going on? This this thing that just popped up into my life has caused me to separate myself from you again. Am I really not being what you or am I really not supposed to do what you said I was supposed to do? Am I really not called into this? Am I really not moving into this place the right way? And the and because I allowed the enemy to continue to feed me and say, "Well, you're not worthy of it." See, I told you, you you made this confession to God that you was ready to serve God, but your flesh still took you over here. 
Your mind still took you over here. How are you going to get past letting your flesh control you? But God said, if you give it all to me, I'll make you new. I'll, I'll restore you. I'll bring your, I'll kill that old man in you. And I'll restore who I called you to be. And I'll begin to work on you. But you got to get past this thought of the enemy being in charge of your life. And so we're going to look at more scripture tonight. But so I needed you to make sure, make sure you understood that we cannot be ignorant of his scheme. Somebody say, I'm no longer ignorant of his schemes. I'm no longer bound by his schemes. I'm no longer, uh, I no longer subscribe to, I don't know, I no longer have that subscription to his plan. You know how everybody has Apple subscriptions for the music and you have this subscription for Netflix. For so long you've been subscribing to the enemy's tactics that you don't know how to fight spiritual war, fight in spiritual warfare because you're still paying into something that you're fighting against. And we will get back to our scripture, Ephesians 6 and 10, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We have to realize that there is a place where we have to stop subscribing to what the enemy is doing to us, what the enemy is saying to us. Okay, so now as we continue on to this, there are a couple of things that I need you to uh, that I need you to understand that we are fighting against, that that there are some things that the enemy um, had the enemy tries to be an opportunist about in our lives. Um, the first thing I need you to see, and I really want you to see this, is that the enemy uh, fosters feelings of ignorance. Ignorance, you're not worthy. Um, ignorance, um, I don't know everything about God, so how can I serve God properly? I don't know everything about this Bible, so how can I how can I properly live? How can I properly be directed? How can I properly go through this place? I'm, 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 I've been ignorant to the vices that the enemy has thrown at us. So that's one of the things that he tries to foster in us, that we're that uh, a, a mood and a mindset of being ignorant. Not only ignorant, he presents generational curses in our life generational curses. What are generational curses? Those things that that have been passed down from our family lineage, from great-grandma, from great-grandpa, from uh, way back when, great-great-grandpa, and those things that they gave their lives over to. Sometimes the generational curses are not just curses of, uh, of destitute. Some people gave over their generational curses to uh, gave over generational curses so that their families could be wealthy. Amen? They gave over their spirits. They gave over their soul. They made blood covenants with the enemy, and that is still being passed down from, uh, from bloodline to bloodline, from generation to generation, and now we see that this thing is happening and this thing is taking place that, um, that is coming about so we see generational curses in our life. Generational curses, that doesn't just mean that it's a bad. Like I said, um, generational curses can be that your, your inability to, uh, to, to be uh, to, to be understanding in a marriage. The marriages in your family may not have worked out and it just keeps passing on and passing on and the cycle keeps going on through your generation, through generation after generation. Why do marriages only last three years, four years, five years, and then for some reason they separate and divorce? Why do I always get pregnant and lose children? Why do I always go through this in my life? Why is this always happening? I can't get ahead in life. I'm always revolving around 
around in the same cycle. Every time I, every time I go somewhere, somebody tells me I act just like my daddy or I act just like my mama or you remind me of grandma. That generational spirit that was attached to them has made its way into your life and is somewhere along the line it has been accepted in your life. And it's, you may never have met great grandma, but somebody said, you know what? You act just like they act. You do the same thing they do. And so now you've been bound. And what happens is when they continue to speak over you this thing, it begins to soul tie itself to you. So now, and we go, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I want to deal with some confessions that we make out of our mouth. What's my next point? Our negative confessions. Our negative, the things that we speak out of our mouth. When we go to Genesis and we see Moses, uh, 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 when we see Moses talking to the children of, when we go to the book of Exodus, excuse me, when we see Moses talking to the children of Israel, and he said, today before you, I, uh, today I stand before heaven, uh, God in heaven, and I put before you uh, a choice, blessings or cursings, life or death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Why? Because if you choose death, that prescription is that negative confession passes down from your generation to generation to generation. Our negative confessions have power. Our negative confessions are part of this spiritual warfare. Our negative confessions open up the realm of Satan to begin to operate and flow. I'm never going to get ahead. Up, oh, Satan takes notice of that. So he begins to release demons and he begins to release imps and he begins to release those things that are hold you bound and keep you down. Why? Because you said, I'll never get ahead. I'll never come out of this life. I'll never amount to anything. I'm never going to graduate. I'm never going to be successful. We seem to say so many more negative confessions than when we do speak positive about our life. We begin, we continuously speak negativity over our life, over our situation. Oh, my grandmother had diabetes, so I guess I'm going to have diabetes. I guess I'm going to do this. My, uh, my great-grandmother had gout. My, they, they, had, uh, they, they had all of these body sicknesses. And so now you've spoken this thing over your life. Oh, I guess I'll have it too. I guess I got to get prepared. But how many people know that the word of God said life and death lies in the power of the tongue? If I continue to keep speaking negatively, I keep uh, speaking death into my life. I keep speaking death over my children. Are oh, you just going to be just like your daddy? Well, you just spoke that over my life. And as a child, your children are too young to come against what you've spoken. So now you've spoken a decree over their life. And now you put something in the atmosphere. So now when their behavior continues to match with it, and the first thing you say, I don't know why you act like your daddy. Well, you said 20 years ago that you going to act just like your daddy. So now the, re the results and the seeds that you have planted are beginning to manifest and take harvest. Somebody say spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare deals with what you're saying out of your mouth, not just what you think, not just what's going on in the spiritual realm, because the spiritual realm takes notice of what the confessions you make. Uh, Abraham, I mean, Moses said it. Today I put before you a choice, life or death. Choose life. 
so that you and your descendants may live. Well, if I want my children to operate differently, if I want to fight the spirit that seems to begin, that's beginning to operate in them, that generational curse, what am I speaking over my child's life? What, am I, what confessions am I making that's going to build my children up? Not that you look like or you're going to be like your daddy or you're going to be like your mama or you just like your brother or you just like your sister. No, when I begin to say that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, I begin to counter what the enemy has already told them. I begin to counter what society has already told them. When I tell them that you're going to be above and not beneath, I'm countering what the enemy has already spoken about our young black men. I'm, already, I'm now countering this generational cycle, this spiritual warfare that they're dealing with, with the word of God. So now I can begin to develop and grow them so that the countermeasure to what they've been hearing is now being fought by the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God. So the enemy continues to show us our negative confessions. Also, our frustration. Our frustrations are part of spiritual warfare because our frustrations will lead to what? Our negative confessions. What will that lead to? Us continuing to speak generational curses. What will the generational curses do? Continue to produce ignorance in our life. You see how they keep coming? They, they keep coming. Just as the Bible says that when, uh, when one spirit comes back, he brings seven more deadly than him. So there's now a spirit of ignorance. You brought in the spirits that bring the generational curses. You brought in the spirit that brings out our negative confessions. You brought in the spirit that deals with our frustration. So now we're harboring all these, and this is only four things. Now, now a lot of us don't even want to deal with one of these things, but we brought four of these things back into us. What else? It brings in our doubts, our fears, and our unbeliefs. Spiritual warfare tends to produce and manifest these things in our life. Our doubts. I'm not capable of coming out. I'm not capable of being anything but, but this, this person that I've been for this long in my life. Our doubts. I'm, I'm going to go apply for this job, but it ain't going. I, I know they ain't going to hire me. I'm not qualified. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be able to, to, to be this. Our fears. I don't want to I don't want to leave this neighborhood where I grew up at. I don't want to travel the world. I'm scared of what the world might show me. All I know is these four blocks that I've been living in, this DMV area that I grew up in. I don't want to go outside of here because I don't know what's outside of this area. Why do I need to go anywhere else? I can get me a good job here. I can raise my family here. But God might have your best blessing once you cross that state line and say North Carolina, Tennessee, New York, Delaware, wherever else you may be. I preached a sermon a long time say it's time to cross the state line. The state that I'm in is time to cross into a new state but our fears and our unbeliefs will keep us from crossing into a new state because when you cross into a new state there are new opportunities and laws that come with that new state somebody missed what i just said if you get beyond your doubts your fears and your unbeliefs and cross into a new state of what god's will is for your life god's purpose is for your life god's plan is for your life now you begin to operate under the laws of that new state that you're in i'm the 
head and not the tail. So that means everything that I, de I decree in my life, God is going to open it up. God is going to begin to hear it. God is going to take hold of it and begin to manifest it in my life. It may I may not be in the best situation, but I can see the best out of my situation. Amen. I, I may not have all that I need to all the all that I want to have, but God has continuously provided me with all that I need to have. Amen. So now when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, we're not operating under the same mindset or under the same rules that the enemy is used to us operating under. So now we understand that our doubts and our, and, and our fears and our unbeliefs. So I want to get into some more scripture real quick. Our next scripture we're going to look at is Zechariah 3. This is the Old Testament, Zechariah. And it simply says this, uh, Zechariah 3, the first verse, it said, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angels of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Do we understand that a lot of times, the verse number two said, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Is this not a brand? Did I not choose this? I need y'all to see that because I, I need y'all to see that part. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You, do you understand who you have fighting your battles? It's not just your words. Your words have power, but your words have access to the Lord. Your word, your spiritual fight is already, the battle is already won. We, we constantly say it. We do have to do our part in believing that it's one, do our part in, in continuously moving forward according, with the, according to what the word of God says. But do you understand that, that who's fighting for you has divine authority over who's been fighting against you? Ah, somebody just, I'm going to say that again. Do you understand that who's fighting for you has divine authority over who's fighting against you. So spiritual warfare is an unfair fight. Spiritual warfare has already been won. You just have to get into the alignment with what who the winner is. Too many times we constantly sit there and see the flash of the, of the losing team and think because the losing team has come in with a whole bunch of weapons that they're the ones winning. So we decide we want to be on the losing team. When the winning team is God standing on a hill with angels, just like I mean, just like Elisha said, do you see how many angels are? I looked out and I saw legions of angels surrounding the enemy. They were encamped all around us. So if God be for me. Who can be against me? The enemy might come in with barrages and, 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 and a lot of fluff and a lot of talk and a lot of, a, a lot of flabbergasting, a lot of stuff that makes it seem and puffed up from a, certain, from a certain standpoint. But do you know that the mindset of a winner is you just going to stand back, watch what the enemy does, and then I'm going to show my might. Do you know you serve a God that says the same thing? What the enemy meant for bad, my God meant for good. 
The enemy throws all these weapons and all these tactics and all these assaults at you. But God said, I'm going to take it one by one and I'm going to show you who I am. Because I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am your beginning and I am your end. I am the first and I am the last. So if I'm the last, there is nothing that can come behind me that's going to destroy you if you trust me. If I'm the last, there's nothing behind me. If I'm the first, there was nothing before me. Everything in the middle is only protocol to get to this place that I got. What's coming, the enemy knows he's a defeated foe. What his assignment is, is to try to take as many people with him to be defeated. He was defeated when he was cast out of heaven. He took, the Bible says that him and a third of the angels were cast out. So, but there are a third of the angels. That means there was two thirds left with authority and with power, with dominion, with the ability to war against one third. I think if you do the math, two thirds is bigger than one third. A God that is omnipresent, omnipotent, and I'm, and I'm, uh, uh, Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, one that's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. I'd rather be take him than one who just runs around puffing his chest out saying I'm bad. The Bible says, verse again, Zechariah 3, verse number 2 again, The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem. Who are you? You and I are Jerusalem. The, the, the Lord who has chosen rebu Jerusalem rebukes you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angels. Uh, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. How many of us are standing before the throne with filthy garments on? And God is still saying, I sent my son to die for you. I sent my son to give his life for you. You're standing before me filthy, but I'm going to show you that I can wash you and make you clean. Verse number four, he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see how I have taken your iniquities away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Oh, my Lord. See, I have taken your iniquity away. See, a lot of us think that because we've fallen short of the glory of God, that we're still standing there with filthy garments on. We're still standing there with our iniquities. But God said, I have taken them away from you. I have already caused my angels and told my angels to remove the filthy garments from you. I have taken your sin debt. I made the payment for you. And now I've already tried to clothe you in your right garments in the way that you're supposed to look. So stop looking behind you to how you used to look back there. Stop looking in the rearview mirror of your life and seeing all the past that you've been through. When I've given you a bigger mirror before you to see where I'm taking you to. Do I have a witness today that you're going to a place that God said is greater than anything that you've ever seen. You're on a journey and you can look out this big window in front of you and see my blessings.
things and see my purpose and see my plan for you or you can continue to look through that rearview mirror and look back there to what I'm pulling you away from and sit there and dwell on that but if you're going to sit there and dwell on that you're going to miss what I got before you and you're not going to be able to understand or take or experience the greatness that I have for you you got to come out of those filthy garments you got to stop accepting it I know everybody loves these places right now that are, that are called the, the consignment shops, the thrift shops and everything. And you walk in there and it's great that you can find some nice clothes that you can fit. But those nice clothes have been worn by somebody else. But now God is saying, I'm not sending you into the consignment shop anymore. I'm sending you into a place where everything I've made is new. Why? Because Jesus said it best. Behold, I have made all things new. So so now I don't have to worry about putting on what I used to look like. Spiritual warfare. If I'm falling to spiritual warfare, it's because I've clothed myself in what I used to wear. Those used to have thoughts. Those used to have mindsets. This is what I've continuously put back on myself. Verse number five in Zechariah, the third chapter says, then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So I put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. He was standing by watching. He was standing by protecting. Verse number six, and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying this, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, Somebody say my ways. And if you will perform my service, my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access. Uh, I got to go back because I need y'all to see this. I, I, I really need you to see this. And I apologize. Verse number five said, then I said, let them put on a clean turban on his head so that they put on a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And while the angel of the Lord was standing, he said this, and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, this is where I was just at. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord of hosts, not anybody else. God almighty said this, if you will walk in what? my ways. And if you will perform my services, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you what? Free access among these who are standing here. He said, after I clothe you, after I remove your sin and your iniquities, after I put new things on you, he said, first thing that you need to do is walk in my ways. Spiritual warfare. I got to walk in the ways of God. Yes, I'm going to fight against the enemy. I'm going to battle against the enemy. But if I'm walking in the ways of the Lord, if I'm performing his service, and then I will also govern his house. Those three things I need y'all to get my ways, my service and govern his house. And also have charge over his courts. Oh, Lord, that somebody just missed that right there. I, then you, he didn't say, huh, let me repeat that. Then you will also govern, have charge over my courts. You will have charge over the things of God. 
the places of God, the perception of God, the perception of who's fighting against you, the understanding that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he said, I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. That means you have a rightful place. I'm giving you a free pass to come stand right here amongst the saints. To come stand here amongst those that, that have labored, those that have tarried, those who have been there. I am giving you free access. How many people want free access on today? Zechariah uh, 3 and 8 says, Now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends. Now, he didn't just include Joshua, the high priest. He said, Now you and your friends who are sitting in front of you in Indeed, they are men who are a symbol for behold, I'm going to bring in my servant, the branch. I'm going to bring in my, my son. I'm going to bring in my servant. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on the one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it. Seven eyes. Seven, the number of completion. I, for now I will bring in completed eyesight. Behold, I will engrave on in, in, an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquities of the land in one day. If we get into the face of God, God said, I will remove the iniquities of the land. How many people need some things removed out of their land, the, the environment, their situation? If we begin to give over to God our filthy garments, our filthy rags, if we begin to give over to him and abide in him to, do, to operate his way with his purpose in his home and uh, do the things and have access to his courts, he will begin to remove the iniquities of the land in one day it won't take seven days it won't take 14 days to get rid of a virus he said i will begin to remove the iniquities of the land in one day but if we do not get down if we do not tap into the will of god the purpose of god or the plan of god and get into a place of understanding the will of god then we can never understand what one day can look like he said this in verse number 10, in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. And, and so now we got to understand what we got to get to. So all of that I'm saying is now we have to deal with the mind. Why? Because the mind is the biggest battleground of spiritual warfare. The mind. The, this, this thing right here that constantly tells you you're not worthy. This thing right here that constantly tells you, uh, do this instead of doing the will of God. This thing right here that constantly tells you, wh why you got to go over there with those bored people? Those people don't have no fun. Those people don't know how to, how to enjoy life. But how many people know that, that, that to be truthful and, truthful and honest, I can just tell you about me, that I enjoy my life so much more now being in the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God than I enjoyed when I was in the club, when I enjoyed when I was out partying, when I was enjoying out, being, out doing go-go, when I was enjoying ripping and running the street because I was a liar. I was running up and down the street. I was, had this woman. I had that woman. I was doing so many things. But at a place in life, the, the lies had to stop. At a place in life, the partying had to stop. At a place in life, the drinking had to stop. All these other things that I was battling with and I was doing 
because I called it enjoying my life was causing me detriment and causing me harm. Every time I would get arrested and sit before a magistrate or a commissioner pleading my case to get out of jail, yet I was still saying I'm partying, I'm enjoying my life. But now that I serve a God who said he'll never leave me or forsake me, I have never, I'm not seeing what a jail cell look like. I'm not seeing what the bene- what the wages of sin is because I'm living a life that's pleasing in the sight of God. Amen. So now I got to deal with my mind. The mind is the battleground. Proverbs 23 and 7 simply says this, and we're just about done. For as he thinks with him in himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not worthy. This scripture talks about a, 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 a man who does not who, who may seem like he's happy, who may seem like he's wise, who may seem like he's looking for the best of you, but the Bible says, for as he thinks within in himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink. That, that, that sounds good. How many, how many people have told you, here, go ahead and drink this up. Here, here, here go to this bottle. It's going to make you feel nice. Here, here, go ahead and eat, eat this food right here. This is going to make you feel real good. But the Bible said his heart is not right with you. A lot of women have experienced this. The, the man handing them a drink with something in it. Or then gave you so many drinks that you passed out and you don't know why you woke up in this bed the next morning. You don't know what's happening. So, so now he's, he, he's influenced your mind. And that's how the enemy operates. The enemy is almost just like that drink. His tactics alter your mind's judgment. We know the difference between right and wrong, but it gets gray when the enemy starts to say, well, if you do this, this is the benefit of doing that. The, 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 the person who steals, you start off stealing at the, at the 7-Eleven when you're little. You steal something. You don't get caught. Oh, you need this. Go ahead in 7-Eleven. So now you've graduated from 7-Eleven to snatching purses. The enemy says, well, you're not going to get caught. It's okay. So now you graduate to the next thing. And I'm not even going to go down the hard street with that. You sleep with one person. Feels good. Sleep with the second person. Feels good. 30 more people. Feels good, but now you at the clinic, and you you're, you're fighting because a test came up. The test don't feel good, but the the flesh feels good because of what you were doing. Spiritual warfare. It deals with all areas of your life: the physical man, the spiritual man, the emotional man. Spiritual warfare will continue to tell you that it's okay to do what the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God says is wrong. But it gives, it gives temporary gratitude. But his heart is not with you. Somebody needs to know that right now. No matter what you think, no matter how good it feels, Satan's heart is not with you. He's there to kill, steal, and destroy as many times as Satan has said to you, eat and drink, we're going to party all night long. His whole plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. 
His heart is not with you. His heart has nothing to do with you. Philippians 4 verses 7 through 9 said this, and I'm just about done. Give me about 10 more minutes. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, get this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Whatever is true, not what's a lie. Whose report are you going to believe? The world's report or the report of the Lord? Who did God call you to be? Not who you've been, but who has God called you to be? Whatever is honorable, as opposed to what's dishonorable. Whatever is right, as opposed to whatever is wrong. It's, it's real plain and simple what the word of God says about how we should live and how we should fight against spiritual warfare. Like I said, once again, spiritual warfare is really a struggle in the mind to operate and do the things of God. Why? Because when we think on whatever is true, the enemy presents what is false. When we think on whatever is honorable, the enemy throws in what's dishonorable. Whatever is right, he throws in whatever is wrong, even though he masks it a lot of times in what looks right. Not what is right, he masks it in what looks right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, Dwell on these things. These are the things that God is asking us to dwell on. The Bible says in verse number nine, these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, who in Paul practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So now God is telling you that I'm with you through this fight. If you rely and think on me, if you rely and allow yourself to abide in me, then I am with you. You got to think on these things. Second Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 6 is this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So now if we see that and then we jump over to Ephesians, but I'm going to finish the scripture. We uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verses uh, uh, verse 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought, what? Captive to the obedience of Christ. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Every lofty thing. That means there is no room to hold on to what the enemy wants you to believe. There's no room. He said we are destroying the speculation. Even the mere thought of something against God, against the knowledge of God. That we, we, we don't have room to play with this thing. 
We don't have room to sit there and fight this thing because we are destroying the speculation and every lofty thing. And lofty things are things that that puff themselves up that seem big. Things raised up against the knowledge of God. There are plenty of people who constantly throw out all these uh, quote unquote facts about why God ain't real, about why Jesus ain't real. But what are we supposed to do if you are in this word? See, that, that, that's part of our prob biggest problems as Christians. When we're dealing with spiritual warfare, we don't understand the word of God and how to use the word of God to fight the enemy's tactics. It said we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. What's raised up against the knowledge of God? Other religions. You, you black, you shouldn't believe in Jesus. How you going to believe in this white eye, white, blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus? What, what has he done for you? Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. You don't got to believe in him. He might have been a good prophet, but he was not the son of God. The, and then it goes on to say, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Who do we serve? Jesus Christ, the son of the true and living God. We've given our life over to Christ as our Lord and Savior. He is the son of God. So what is the obedience? To love one another? We talked about this today in our, in our devotion, or I think it was yesterday, the, the greatest commandments, to love thy neighbor. This is the obedience of Christ, to love one another. So now we understand that we come against every lofty thing that's raised up. Verse number six says this, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Whenever you got yourself together, whenever you have, have, have fallen and, and given yourself over to the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God, we are ready to punish the disobedience. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brethren, once again, whatever is true, here we go again. <laughs> you see, it, 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 the, the word confirms itself with the word. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, for now he said excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So I just gave you two different scriptures, and we're saying the same exact thing. Spiritual warfare. This is what we're dealing with. And we have to get into our mind and get into our spirit exactly what it is that we're fighting against. Because now, if we want to jump back, and this is my final scripture and my final uh, point for tonight. Now, if we want to get back to what Ephesians 6 and 10 says, amen, Ephesians 6 and 10 says this simple thing. Excuse me. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the full armor of God. What are we, how do we put on the full armor of God? Because we think on these things. We, we go back to the end where in Philippians 4 and 8, I mean, Philippians 12, 4 and 8, we go back to that and, and dwell on these things that he said. 
He said, be, be strong in the Lord. How am I strong? Because I'm thinking on these things. How am I growing in the Lord? Because I'm thinking on these things. How do I deal with spiritual warfare? How do I put on the helmet of salvation? Because I'm thinking on these things of God. I'm thinking about what the word of God said, what Jesus Christ said. I'm thinking on these things and in the power of his might and put on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. It says this, and I'm going to read it because I need you to hear it. Put on the full arm of God so that you will be able to do what? Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How do you stand firm? By putting on the full armor of God. Now, what are the portions and the, and the equipment of the full of armor of God and why? Because it says this, so you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers. These are the rank and file of Satan. This is the armies of Satan. This is how they're broken down. For our, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. I need you to catch two things that is said against the world's forces of this darkness. So we're going to fight where there are going to be armies of the world's darkness that we're coming up against. Plans. Uh, procedures, policies, things, because it, it can't be people because it said we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. So now what is the world's armies of darkness? The policies, the procedures, and the, and the, uh, the plans that are coming against the body of Christ. That, that are going to be that are going to be employed against the body of Christ. These are the things that we're fighting against. The armies of the world in darkness. And then it said in, and then it said against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So we're battling against the policies, the plans and the procedures that are coming out according in, in the governments. Also we're fighting against the rank and file in heaven. This is spiritual warfare. We're dealing with it because we cannot fight it with flesh and blood. But what do we fight it with? The helmet of salvation. <laughs> the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm thereon, having girded yourself, girded your loins with truth. So we got to be in a posture and a mindset to tell the truth. To begin to open our mouth and declare the word of the God, the word of the Lord. Why? Because the Bible, Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. He's the truth. So what are we standing on? The truth. His word, who he is, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about righteousness, living a life that is pleasing to God. Living a life that is according to his will and his purpose. That's righteousness. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you that the world cannot take away. Stop allowing the enemy and your situations to take away God's peace out of your life. You got to be able to stand, even saying with all the hell going on around me, with all the mess that I've been through in my life, with the situations that's coming up, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's my home, whether it's my finances, whether it's my, my, my spouse, whether it's my children, whether it's my health, I still got to be shod with the gospel of peace. I still got to be able to say, God, it's your will be done. God, I don't know what it is that's happening or why it's taking place, but 
but I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to have the shalom peace in you because you're a way maker. You're a healer. You're a deliverer. You're a provider. You're, you have done it before and I believe that you'll do it again in my life. So you know what, God? Right now, I'm calling my environment to peace be still. This is what I'm fighting with. This is what I'm declaring. This is my spiritual warfare because I got to be able to show the enemy that no matter what, no matter hell or high water, no matter when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard. What is this standard based upon? His word. What has he said? He'll never leave me nor forsake me. When I begin to stand on the word of God, I begin to fight every tactic of the enemy. I begin to fight every uh, every vice of the enemy. I begin to stand according to what he says. And what does the Bible say? That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. At the name of Jesus, demons shall tremble. So if I'm standing on the word of God, which is the sword, the sword, which is the word of God, I begin to sling that thing like never before. I begin begin to fight like never before. I begin to chop and cut through all of my situations, through all of my stuff, through all of my mess, through everything that the enemy tries to throw at me. Why? Because now I'm taking the sword, which is the word of God. I got it built up on the inside of me and I begin to wipe and, and slash at everything that's coming my way. Greater is he that's in me. I believe the word of the Lord. I shall stand on the word of the Lord. I'm healed by his stripes. I'm delivered by his blood. I'm a heir in a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So now I begin to operate according to the word of God. That's how I fight my enemy in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. How do I get my mind right? Think on these things. <laughs> Think on these things. You know, a lot of times with people that have dementia, and I'm, and I'm done, people that have dementia, a lot of times they 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 try to bring back things to remember to remind them of a point of time in their life. They'll bring pictures of their kids to say, "Do you remember this? This was your daughter. This was your husband. This was your wife. This was your parents. Do you remember any of these people or any of these things?" And a lot of times that person may sit there, they may not remember, but the more you keep trying to show them, the more sometimes things spark, it sparks something in their mind. Do you know the enemy of your soul never wants you to see who you, who God called you to be? See, who God called you to be a lot of times was that that person, that little child who had dreams of being a doctor and dreams of being a lawyer, your eyes was wide open, your eyes was constantly seeing the greatness that the world had, all the opportunities, all the things. But what the enemy did was throw life at you. The enemy threw situations at you. The enemy never allowed you to get past some of the hurtful events that have happened in your life. And what you did, you began to dwell on those hurtful things. 
You began to dwell on the pain, the abuse, the rape, the person who left, the person who abandoned you, the person who didn't love you. You began to dwell on these things. And because you began to dwell on these things, this is all you saw in life. But Jesus said, or Paul the apostle said in the word, he said, but if you dwell on the things that are true, what's true? That God loves you. What's true? That he'll never leave you nor forsake you. What's true? That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you begin to think on these things, he said, I will be with you. I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. Everybody else can leave you, but I'm not going nowhere. Spiritual warfare, hurt, neglect, abuse. You thought it only dealt with your emotions. And you thought it only dealt with you from a physical standpoint. But it dealt with your spirit. It disconnected you. It, severed, it, put, a, it put a strain in you. But God said, I'm here. I'm the surgeon of your life. And at this moment and at this time, I'm reconnecting myself so that I could be the healer of your life. What are you dealing with? You're dealing with his grace and his mercy. You're dealing with his favor. You're dealing with his loving kindness. Why? Because these are the things that you're going to think on. No longer thinking about the trouble, the past, the hurt, the abuse. Let it go. You've been bound by that stuff. It's time to clean your house. It's time to let go of the shackles. It's time to break free of the hurt, the abuse. It's time to break free from it. Why did it happen to you? You may never find out the answer. But God said, I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. And because I'm here, because I'm with you, I'm going to heal you. Will you receive his healing? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to share in your word. God, whoever's dealing with spiritual warfare, we all are in some form or fashion. God, we ask right now that you renew our mind so, we, so that we can think on those things that are right, that are just, that are honorable. Those things that you have released into heaven. God, we ask right now that you touch our lives, that you touch our hearts, that you touch our spirits. For those that are weary, those who have been laboring, those who have been fighting, God, send ministering angels to touch them right now. Those that are weary and well-doing. Those who have run a good race and they feel their spiritual legs tiring, 
They've warred. They fought. And now they're saying, God, I can't do this anymore. Be the God in their life that says, I love you. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Why? Because if we're both connected in the same way, where you're weak, I can carry you. He said, learn of me. So, Father, we just thank you for this night of understanding, this night of wisdom. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you, God, introduce yourself to them right now. Press on their heart enough that they will come saying, what must I do to be saved? If there's anybody that's in need of healing, God, introduce yourself and touch them. Touch their mind from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Heal them, deliver them, and set them free. Whatever they hurt from, whatever they're dealing with, we thank you, God, for the gift of freedom. Your word declares whom the sun sets free is truly free indeed. So God, be, a, be their God, be their friend, be their comforter. You said you're a friend to the friendless, a mother to the motherless, a father to the fatherless. So be that at this time. We thank you, God, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, if you want to share this on Facebook, if you're on our website, whatever it may be, and you do not have, you do not know our website, our website is www.lccimd.org. You can share this from our website. Also, our Liberty Partners, we have some major announcements coming to you. If you want to sow into Liberty, I generally don't do this, but if you want to sow into Liberty, um, at the bottom right now, you should see our cash app or how to give online. You can go to our website. We also have text giving. Um, so this is your sowing into fertile ground. Um, we're, we're, we're trying to build and change lives. We have, a, we have a new model that we're adopting. No games, no gimmicks, just Jesus. And that's what you're going to get at Liberty, just Jesus. We're not bound by denomination. We're not bound by stereotype. We're not bound by any of that. We're here to spread the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I love you with the love of God. Remember this, live on purpose, live for purpose, but most importantly, live in God's purpose. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Be blessed and go in peace. Have a wonderful evening.